Hey lovelies, before we get started, I wanted to give you a quick update on what's going on around here. I was incredibly uncomfortable in conventional masks, particularly in the summer heat. So I designed and created a breathable, comfortable, non-medical mask to get us all through this summer. The response was completely overwhelming and they sold out twice before I could even get them up on the site. I'm happy to announce that they are finally fully stocked and available to ship immediately at impactfashionnyc.com. Just select mask from the main menu. Thanks for all your support and enjoy the show. From Impact Fashion, it's Be Impactful, a show about the women making a difference in their own corners of the world. I'm Ruthie Itzkowitz, and on today's show, I talk with a fellow fashion designer about how a need for core pieces among her vintage customers led to the founding of her label, the real reasons that motivated her to leave a successful business behind, and what happened when she shared a pretty simple message about hate. Chevy Goldman is someone who I've admired from a distance for a while. Her designs are beautiful, her point of view is unique, and the girl knows her way around style and aesthetic. Recently, we connected on a deeper level through some mutual friends, and I'm honored to call her a friend. What always drew me to her was her sense of laid-back earnestness that's just so darn endearing. And let me tell you, it is not an act. I was really loud and creative. That's how I like to think of. Like, when I remember myself as a child, definitely always wanting to speak around people, be the voice. Like, I was always just saying jokes that nobody wanted to hear. I don't mean the voice of, like, this, like, powerful, insightful voice. I just mean the voice. Just, like, just, the, for, just hearing hurt. myself. Yeah. 100%. And very creative. And I think I was entrepreneurial since I was, like, in diapers. What was the first business that you had? Definitely Carnival's in my basement. Um, you know, high-end stationary sales in the bungalow colony. Oh, stationary was a high-stakes business. Yeah. In, like, second or third Getty, grade? And and the and the um the Lisa Franks that were like the yes. the big ones like yeah. with the fairies not like the outdated unicorns like I always right the the fairies and then also did you have the ones that were the black velvet and then you colored in between I mean of course of course of course that's and that's then we had strawberry shortcake because we're gonna feed our, right? our customers exactly the first real business that I had was when I was in high school um duct tape things were a real trend I yes ductagami I did of course Cam Simchai yeah. was the person who did it okay, I sold, perfect okay. so you did that so I did like wallets and bags so and bows I and did things. hair clips there you go. Yeah. yeah. So I did like I yeah. did the hair clips. I did my best seller were, were the wallets, and I had. Oh, cute. I went to Target, and my mom bought me all the different colors and patterns of duct tape. I love it. And then I yeah. had them in my locker, just like in a in like a whole display <laughs> case, and then you could customize and That's choose fabulous. it. And you could like order by recess, and I would have it ready by the next recess because I would do it in class. Fabulous. I was cutting hair, but I did that for free. <laughs> In school, the bangs, yeah. Everyone wanted bangs. I brought my scissors. Oh wow! And then by you seminary, yeah, I was that kid. And then by seminary, I just like wanted to go to sleep. <laughs> and so I was like, I have to charge. I did, I think, five shekels. And like, there was like a protest outside my door. Like, <laughs> how could you charge? How could you charge? But oh, so, by the way, five shekels is what? Like a dollar? I think a dollar. Yeah, not yeah. even. Maybe a dollar fifty. <laughs> For just to, I was just the, to, yeah. just to trim the bangs. No, I I did the layers. I did the angles. I mean, we went all did out. you have any training or you just did it? No, I did it. And then I even. 
when I came back from seminary, I thought my calling was obviously hair. Right. Because I was just so good with scissors, but I realized I hated the rules. When I went to a course and they'd say, well, this is how you hold scissors. I'm like, well, I'm giving really good haircuts. So this is how I'm going to hold my scissors. And they didn't like me. And then I had to blow dry and I never knew how to blow dry because I always had straight hair. And I'm like, I, I, I'm out. Too much. Too I'm much. out. Yeah. Well, fashion still has rules though, but they're, it's more like the fashion rules yeah. are definitely much more fluid than the hair rules, I think. Yeah. I mean, I sell vintage and my own label and I like I think about that a lot where there are no so there's not so many rules within my label of like what I do within my brand and I think that's just how I have to structure myself like I can't be too contrived do you have any criteria when you design like things that something need to fit because I know I do fit do you mean fit like technical no like um not technical like having it fit obviously everything needs to fit and look good on people but to have things that are like yeah uh, my pieces need to fit certain criteria like i have have my branding and what my yeah of course i have my brand message where i have it like listed where um when i'm designing or doing a photo shoot i have like a mood who my girl is what she wants from me what is our oh what's the word like Avatar? What do we stand for? Right. No, more like what? What do we stand for? What are we giving? What do we? What's a, a purpose do we serve in a closet for our girl? And whenever I'm designing something, like my brain can like just run with the wind, and so I have to like go back to that and make sure that I'm like sticking to, right, our branding, our marketing, our what our what Elias is. So it doesn't surprise me at all that you're super brand focused because I think yeah. that that comes across in everything that you do. Definitely with Elias, I'm not as familiar with MMA to yeah. be perfectly honest because yeah. I didn't. Like, I was very late to that train. I totally missed the boat. Because um, I'm, I'm like, a, a relative. I think, I still think of myself as, like, a newcomer to the Instagram scene, even when, though I've been doing when, it. When, what year? Three years, maybe. So, like... Okay, I hear how that could feel new. Like, because also there are people who have been doing it for, like, five years or ten years. And yeah. then, like, and that... And then, like, you, they just came when there were people... When there were, like, ten people on Instagram, and then they just got really big really fast, and then they just became, like, the yeah. establishment. You yeah. know what I mean? And yeah. I, I totally missed... The forefathers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I missed I missed the forefathers. I missed all of that. And I just yeah. kind of came in, and I just started showing myself, and, and people were responding to it. Yeah. So with... I want to backtrack, because you mentioned of vintage, course. and I think most people probably know you as MMA. As yeah. My mother's memoir. Yeah. So talk to me about why like how did that get started how did you you, were you always interested in fashion so I was always interested in fashion I mean I I used to be a hoarder and now I try to purge as much as I can but the one thing I'll always keep is my loose leaf of all my sketches and my designs from when I'm a kid um I always when I woke up in the morning like I would envision just like what I was wearing that day like that wasn't in my closet I designed an outfit like I went scuba diving and I saw fish and I'm like I saw them as dresses right so I knew I had to something in fashion um, but the problem was, I feel like back then it was 2011 and nobody was really starting labels without going to proper schooling and doing everything, you know, there wasn't really a guide to do that. There wasn't anything happening. So my, I didn't know much, but I figured starting with vintage, you know, that's already created pieces. So it's a low investment. I didn't really have anyone investing in me. Um, and I figured I could rework each piece. And just see where that goes. So vintage was like an easy, accessible because you didn't have to create the clothes. From exactly, scratch, it exactly. I didn't need the pattern makers. I didn't need the factory. I didn't need the fabric sourcing. It was all there, and right. I knew how to shop vintage. I've been doing it my whole life with my mother. So I was eight months pregnant in with your July first. with my first July. I came home from Israel. I lived there for a year with my husband, and that year taught me that I do not like to sit still. <laughs> It was painful. Did you so, have a job or anything there? 
So I was planning to get a job, um, but I got pregnant as I was like settling in Mm -hmm. and I was so sick my whole pregnancy, like in the hospital, like really a tough pregnancy and being also away from home, I think was really hard, like especially. So you're not feeling well, you're in this foreign country. I'm I'm bed, I'm bed. You're like like bed rest. I mean, I watched every single Disney movie. Like we got down to that. Okay. Uh, you know, I I believe you. Yeah, uh, that's probably what I would be doing if I was on bed rest. Yeah. So when I came back, I was just like bursting with like I want to do, and I didn't care that it was like a New York summer, and I was like huge and pregnant and do any day. I started just vintage shopping, seeing what was out there. I started only buying things in my size or my sister's size because I was scared if it didn't sell. Like, what am I going to do with it? But what I realized when I started shopping is that, you know, normally when you go um, vintage shopping for yourself, you're not coming back with much. You might find one score a day, but when I was shopping for other people, I'm like, it doesn't have to fit my aesthetic. It doesn't have to fit my body type. It just has to be a beautiful piece. I don't have to rework it. So I didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, you were saying about like that nobody was on Instagram then, nobody was on Instagram then. No, everything was still personal. People are on Facebook. And I downloaded Instagram app with my friend on my due date at somebody's wedding at our friend's wedding she said this is Instagram I looked at him like I could post pictures here of the clothing cool yeah it never was a personal page and what I think was I was lucky about what I was saying that I was like there in the beginning I didn't have any watch anyone comparing watching I was able to figure my way out with no pressure versus I'm finding LES like it's like in front of the, this audience and I'm like guys if I screw up like well, also, but Elias, Elias, you're not starting it. It's like Elias is your sophomore album. Do you know what I mean? Like Elias is that second album that like yeah. everyone knows you from MMA. They know, like they know what to expect from you. MMA is this amazing company that still yeah. exists. We should yeah. mention it's right. still it's still around. It's still yeah. Flatbush, and that is something to like. You're you're following that, and that's right. So I had a lot of questions about you know the Instagram who if it was going to stay with the MMA store if I was going to keep it with Elias and I just there was a point in time when there was a second account for Elias yeah, right? yeah yeah because I started I mean it's so interesting I started Elias when I was at MMA and it right. was really supposed to be a brand I always felt that when customers came in the reason I mean I should also say my mom after a year and a half joined me and then we opened the store it was first in my apartment I've actually pitched to your mom what do you mean pitched? I, I pitched because the way that I um, used to sell my collection wholesale is yes. that I would literally go, I would try to make as many appointments as I could, and then when I couldn't get through to people, I would just like pick a neighborhood, go yes. to that neighborhood, and ah. then just and then just show up and just show up and be yes. like, "Hi, my name is Rifki. I have a couple dresses that are in my car. I have this lookbook. If you want to see yeah. if it's worth it, can when I come was in this? And this was like a year ago, maybe. Wow. So it was like okay. just when you had started Elias, maybe, mm. and then yeah. I. I had gone. Now I don't do wholesale anymore. So okay, that smarter. so like, <laughs> it's it's a it's mm-hmm. a little bit of a different. Just yeah. the the stuff that I was selling online was just doing so much better. Yeah. That it just I was like, let me focus my energy there. Yeah. Um, but I pitched to your mom. That's I walked fabulous. in and she was and isn't I, she amazing? She was awesome. She's she was awesome. so sweet. She yeah. was like, by the way, that's not what we do here. We sell vintage clothes and everything. I was like, right. I should have known that. This was <laughs> no. Well, you great. know what? That is a little bit confusing because we did carry brands in the beginning. We had right. House of Link Crew, which I love. Hana, right. my sister's brand, Current NYC. Right. But what I was noticing was, you know, being with the customer all day, you can really understand what they need, and we're. MMA is like a styling service. Right. 
like we don't let you leave without not knowing what you're wearing um like i mean i've been on zara with customers i've been on pinterest looking at hairstyles and right, earrings. vintage requires um, a vision a exactly look. exactly you need to you need to you can't just buy something vintage and then figure it out later exactly. you need to leave with like a top a skirt a shoe a headband an earring it's and like a whole, all of it together yeah like where you're gonna eat that night too exactly you know so so what i noticed is that our customers needed these like core pieces like i would send them on their way to get something um you know, a basic to pull it all together. Let's say they were buying this like amazing silk 80s blouse. Right. But then I'm explaining to them what kind of skirt they need for it. And, you know, if you don't know that you're going to find it when you walk out of the store, do you want to buy? No. 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 So, and, like as a kid, it was always like, my mom was always like, okay, this is a beautiful top. We're, if we're, if we don't leave here with a skirt, we're not leaving with the top. Right. Like it's just or not Or you have to worth know it. exactly how you're wearing it. With right. Or if it's like closet. a funny color yeah. or something and you're like, I don't know, am I going to be able to find a top that's like that exactly. shade of blue that's like not navy but not periwinkle and somewhere yeah. in between? Yeah. Exactly. So that's what I've wanted to for a while. I wanted to have like this, this brand that I can, it can lend itself to vintage. So you basically know? just a compliment. Exactly. Right. Something that that would just make it easier to sell your vintage pieces yeah. and all that. And the flirt skirt was your first piece. Yeah. So that was actually based off of um no, it wasn't my first piece. I had a slip skirt the year before. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah, the sari skirt, a gorgeous slip skirt that worked just so well with these vintage sweaters, which is like what everyone loves. Right. Um and then the production was too, I mean, you know, it's time consuming. Like yeah. there's no way to run two businesses at once. So I kind of put it on hold. MMA's my baby and was. I mean, it still is. <laughs> it's always your baby. It always is. And then, you know, the flirt skirts, it kind of like fell into my lap a little bit where I, you know, had just a source. I'm like, let's roll with it. Everyone was asking about this vintage. It's a me- Mexican fiesta skirt. It's a party. Right. Yeah. So everyone was raving about one that was on our Instagram. People were asking about it weeks and weeks later, calling the store all about this one skirt. I'm like, let's try um, so that's Wait, how it, it started born. off as a an actual vintage skirt, and then you just copied it. Yeah, oh. it was gonna. Yeah, it was a vintage inspired skirt that everyone was crazy about. I kind of had put this LES dream on hold to have this core. You right. know, I put it on hold because I couldn't do both at once. I didn't realize that part of it. Yeah. Because I immediately it, recognized it as that Mexican fiesta skirt. Like, I saw it. Yeah. I was like, this makes perfect sense. I get it. Like, yeah. the vibe of all of it makes sense. I didn't realize that it started out as an actual skirt. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. So, I'm so curious who has it. I want to, like, talk to her. Like, <laughs> who has the original. <laughs> who, got, who got the first one. I, yeah. So, that's, it. I mean, the first the first run had the My Mother's Amara labels on it. I wasn't sure where I was separating it, if it was going to be a different brand. I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, it evolved pretty naturally. And then when we started, when I was confident to go ahead with the winter, everything I designed was in mind to complement vintage. At that point, though, I was just like, the commute was really killing me. From the five towns to Oh, Brooklyn. I live in five towns. Yeah, that's to Brooklyn. Hard. Sitting on the belt every night when I could be with my kids. That's really hard. Barely seeing that. Like, that's got to be at least an hour, probably more. Hour 10 in just like inching traffic. traffic. Like I would have to uh, eat candy to keep myself awake. Like, yeah. Just to keep my Shoot senses. Yeah. So it was really taking a toll. I just felt like I had no clothes happening at home. It was making me stressed when I was at work. Everything. And then, I mean, Sundays also when you're in retail, it's you have to work Sundays. Yeah, and to. Retail, you need to work when everyone else is not working. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and the guilt was just, I just wasn't happy. I was, I was, I was guilty when I was at the store, I was guilty when I was home and I was getting DMs from customers that I wasn't there, and they wanted to shop with me, I, 
was guilty when I wanted to enjoy my summers with my kids. I so mean, this is how long ago? Like, this is already last year. I mean, I was feeling it for a long now? time. I have three girls. Okay, so that's a handful. Yeah. And an extra with an extra hand. Um, yeah. That's that's a handful plus a hand. Yeah. And then you also have this business, and and stores require constant attention. Constant attention. You can't just say, okay, I'm not coming in. Right. It doesn't yeah. work it's that just, way. Right. Exactly. And even though you have the team and you have the sales girls and everything, people Still. are coming for you. Exactly. So you start this process of separating yourself from. So MMA. I started seeing what Elias was about, what I can do. Was it called Elias in your head at this point? No, I did. I was freaking out that I had to have a name to put on the labels. <laughs> And my friend was singing in the car on the way home from pop-up. She joined me, and I'm like, come up with a name. <laughs> just, we're not going to be out of the car. We're on the way home from Muncie. And I'm like, yeah, like, they're asking me for the labels. Like, I won't have a label for my clothing. <laughs> What's the name? And then so I said, you know, I want it to be a made-up word. I want it to be something meaningful to me. I want it to be about my girls because I just – they're, I mean, they're the reason why I was doing this whole shift. Everything I do really is with them in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I take being a, like, a mom of girls very seriously and very, like, as a big responsibility. So I really wanted their names to be part of it. I wanted it to be, like, a made-up word. Um, and their names are Leah, Esther, and Sari. So it's L-E-S. And so L-E-S. So it works. We you said you it. take being a mom of girls very seriously. Yeah. In what way? Um, let me think. Well, I think I started realizing a lot when working in retail and seeing moms come in and shop their daughters when it's a very emotional time to be shopping. I mean, people think shopping, you know, or being a salesperson is, you know, kind of frivolous, shallow, fun. The emotions behind it is tough. Um, there's a lot that goes on when a girl shops and looks at her body in front of a mirror. Um, so watching moms and daughters interact and, it made me realize just how much we bring to the table without realizing, you know, we could just like live life and just go through it and not realize how much impact we have on our daughters. And when I would see these moms with these daughters who just had this best relationship, like I would see the difference between the mother who sits in the front, talking on the phone with her friends, not to judge anyone, you know, cause I'm just seeing a couple of right. minutes of a day and then, or the daughter, you know, being nervous to her mother, something that she loves watching her face light up. And then the mother just, uh, and then her face fall and, Watching that versus the girls whose mothers come into the dress fitting room and like is helping them like you know adjust like their under stuff you know and right. like getting in their business and saying you look stunning or girl this is you like oh you love it you're gonna love it or if you don't love it take it off like whatever you you know just that ease and that comfort and the hearing the daughter and the daughter feeling just so confident in with her mother in front of a mirror um, I started asking mothers like what what's your secret <laughs> you know and then I also noticed when my girls tell me like they'll pick up on these really really like they're like they're paying attention do you know what I mean yeah, like I'm not saying this watching. clearly they're always watching they're very perceptive they don't you know what my father told me that was so smart once he said kids don't listen to what you say they watch what you do it's so true so making sure that I'm the kind of person that I want my girls to be seeing and watching and learning from and considering the norm is very important so I just, yeah, I take, yeah. I take that seriously. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge responsibility. I yeah. think that also there's so much around body image and how yes. we view ourselves and how we feel comfortable in our skin that, like, there's a certain age when you're not really sure how you're supposed to feel. Like, yes. when you're, like, 8, 9, you're like, 
I don't really know right. what's happening here. And like, yes. and especially like once you're starting to hit puberty and then like everything is weird and you're like, what's going on? Like yeah. all of the messages that you receive around your body, like at those ages, yeah. those really stick with you. And that's... Yes. And they're from your mother. And I know my mother never spoke about weight. The only time my parents addressed my weight was when I dropped too much weight. Like, and then really? my mother would set up cereals, like, at the table, like, eat. Like, okay. nobody ever told me not to eat. My mother never stood in front of the mirror checking out her body, never spoke about diets. She was always just into health, just, like, eat good meals. Right. Drink your water. Take care of yourself. Yeah. My mom was always into rest. Take, <laughs> take off your makeup before bed. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was never right. about the pounds. It was never about the right. rolls, like, that, you know, nothing like right. that. So, I... That's a huge gift. It's a huge gift. And when I'm an adult now and I see, you know, if I see people's... You know, as adults, we carry it, and For everyone. Sure. And then when I see the difference, I'm like, I really need to make sure that my I don't, you know, I keep, right. like I take I don't take for granted how confident my mother raised me to be. And it wasn't by telling me I'm so pretty; it was by her being confident and not always staring in front of the mirror talking about her fad diets right. or nothing like that. Not dressing a certain, you know, just being confident with what she wore. And right. I was. Like um, I did a an, an episode with my mom. Yeah. And we spoke about independence because ha- I happen to think that, I mean, I know that I'm for sure like this and I think this of my siblings also. We are particularly like strong headed, very like get out of our way. We're going to do what we want to do kind of people. <laughs> yeah. And that was very intentional on her part because like mm-hmm. I have two older sisters. She's like, I need my three girls to see that like you can do whatever you want to do. You're one of three girls too? Yeah. Me I have too. a younger brother also. I, I have one brother. So, so yeah. It's, we're, we're girls girls. Like, yeah, yeah, of course. So, and it's like, and I'm probably like the girliest of my sisters and like but also like we're just we're very like like we don't think that there's anything that we can't do I mean I I know this is true for me and I'm pretty sure it's true for my older sisters also and that was something that my mom also did really intentionally she was like well I just let you do stuff and then you saw that you could do stuff right I love that I love that so yeah it was it was a a cool thing so you're you're in MMA you're kind of realizing that this is not working for you yeah you want to be spending more time with your family yeah and then you start transitioning into Elias yeah. I give you a lot of credit for recognizing what wasn't working and then making the change from it. Because I think that there are plenty of people who get stuck in right. like dysfunctional patterns and then they that's, just stay that way. That's my biggest fear. I find that like every every personality, I think that everyone has any character trait, any strength, it comes along. It's like the, the two sides of the coin where I'm an overthinker and that could sound bad at first glance, but I also find that I'm a very intentional person. And my biggest fear is going through life and just looking back and regretting things and being like, what was I doing? Like, wasting time. Right. It's my biggest, biggest fear. And last summer, I was sitting at the beach, and I was just staring out, and I saw, like, a boat. And I always said, like, you know, when I'm older, I just see myself just, like, living life, traveling, enjoying everything, you know, enjoying my life. And I'm like, if I'm sitting on that boat, and I'm looking back, and I'm, like, regretting things, I, I, I won't be in it. Like, I won't feel peaceful. Like, I want to be on that boat over there. Like, I was, I'm also super visual. And, like, and I want to be just, like, so content with everything I did. So, I was, like, I'm just living this day-to-day guilt. And I have these, like, bricks on my shoulders. What am I doing? You know, whatever comes next can't be worse than this. Right. I just, I need to just, I need to just be moving forward. At least, yeah. Like, at least I know, like, I tried. Right. Even if I fail and I'm, like, what did I just do? You know? And I'm like, yeah. I don't know what to do right now. At least I can sleep and I knowing like Chevy, you tried. It wasn't right. working. So, you right. know? Right. So, so you, 
So you realize that you need to make some kind of change. Yeah. You had this like kind of beginnings of a line with the with yeah. these compliments to vintage pieces. Yeah, it was a little tough. Right, because that's really tied to MMA. Yeah. So then you take this thing that is a part of MMA and then you separate it from that thing and tough. then you just yeah. have that's pieces. Where was, yes, that's where I was like confused. That stresses me out. It's, just thinking about stre- that. It's stressing from me out. From a marketing that's perspective. I mean. Going back to what I was saying before where I felt like I was in front of this audience. Mm-hmm. It's because it was stressful. I didn't... I'm like, guys, can I just like figure this out <laughs> privately and I'll call you back when I'm ready? Right. That's how I felt because I knew I wanted to do vintage. I didn't know how much vintage. I was not proud of the collection so much for what LES was going to be when now when I was switching my entire game plan when I was doing this huge pivot. Like, I was like, guys, like, I, this isn't what I mean, you know? So you had these pieces that fit like a different thesis statement and then Pretty you changed much. the thesis statement, but you still have the pieces. Exactly. You've invested the money. They exist. You need yeah. to sell them, but they're, what do yeah. I do with them? And they're good pieces. They are good pieces, by the way. That first collection was great. Thank you. So it was, it was rough because the Elias branding, like I was saying, I have my whole list of what I had, the criteria, it didn't fit it. And right. it was tough for me to power through it, not to be just like OCD and a control freak. And I'm like, this is fine. Write it out. Most businesses in the beginning are a little bumpy. You yeah. can do this. Like, nobody power knows through. Doing. We're all improvising. Yeah. Exactly. The day that I realized that we're all improvising was the day that literally an elephant got off my chest. There was, there, there's actually had been a specific company that I was so jealous of her. Like, her Instagram was really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Her photos were so stunning. Mine? I was like, no, it wasn't Um <laughs> I didn't know that you existed I'm actually kidding. at this point. Um, no, but it, it's it's like yeah. another another Jewish brand, and yeah. I had seen. And her Instagram is stunning. Her website okay. I thought was pretty good. Now I know so much more about websites, and her website is actually pretty awful. But that's a okay. different story. Yeah. But at the time, I was like, this it's so stunning. This is so perfect. She must have a huge team. She must she must have a giant company. Like she's probably raking it in. That like I want to be her when I grow up. Yeah. And then I met her at a trade show. Yeah. And first of all, she never shows her face on her, like in her company. So I did not know that she was someone who was two years younger than I was, that her company was three years younger than mine. Her company had just started and really she had just spent way too much money on photography. So like her photos were stunning, but she didn't have anything to back it up. Her pieces Mm -hmm. were not as good as mine. Just objectively, the fabrics Mm -hmm. were not as good. The construction was not as good. And I was like, oh, okay. Even the people who you think are doing really well, yeah. Or probably not. Yeah. Like and, yeah. and and then we and we're good friends now. Like we just we became right. friends and we were trading That's secrets great. and she was like, How do you manage this thing and that thing and yeah. all of that? And like we're on all the same designer chats and it's all great. I love that. Um but yeah, it's that same it's that same thing where it's like everyone at the beginning and even like I'm three years in, I'm still improvising. Like yeah. we're all just trying I think to we always out. are. We're always trying to get better and right. it was yeah, it was definitely a tough pivot, but I think my followers and my customers are just like the nicest. They really I love, are. I love them. It's clear that they that they love you. I like just love from the comments them. and like, from everything. It's like I want to go to camp with them. Like <laughs> I just I'm I'm not. We kidding. should make a fashion camp. I know. Do you do you know the morning toast? A little bit, not really. Okay, so they do camp. We should do it. I I'm ready. Let's let's do it. I know. We like get a couple people. I on just board. I, I yeah. They're the nicest, and they just were so supportive with everything I did, and I was like, like when I announced. Um, like that I was leaving I can't even tell you like I like I was just crying I was just like you guys are just the nicest right yeah yeah I'm very lucky it's a lot I think do you get um hate online no I think I got one I was so excited I'm like I've graduated I'm like oh my god now I can use all my comments that I want to say back 
I, yeah, no. Really not. That's awesome. I, I don't think I give enough. Oh, oh, hold on. I got so much hate the other week. Yeah. I guess I, I think because I'm a little... My page... Okay, let's start from the beginning. My page is meant to be, which I always wanted, a beautiful space. That's just what I wanted. Where I Beautiful, could, you mean like aesthetically, okay. visually, yeah, I mean, just, pretty. I just like, pretty. I like pretty things. Right. It doesn't make you shallow. It doesn't make you not no. important. It, it just makes make, you like pretty things. It Exactly. And that's what my page is. I view it as like my magazine, like kind of, of like for, it just, you know, somebody said to me the other week, she said, it's easy on the eyes. And I actually just told Leia, who works with me, we have to write that to remind us, like it's part of our list of what everything has to be, easy on the eyes. Um, I don't, I'm also a very naturally private person. I don't share much um, just because that's who I am. I always tell people when they talk about authenticity, okay, I'm going, remind me what I was actually talking about. No problem. So I'm going to talk about that. People talk about authenticity. Um, the least I, authentic thing you can do is talk about authenticity. That's number one. I can <laughs> see it in the roll in your eyes. No, no, I'll tell you because I started for a minute um, helping people with marketing, kind of being a, what's the word? Like a social media manager or consultant? No, a consultant. Just a guide. Just to talk to people. Like, I'm not running your Instagram, but I can guide you and help you. And um, what I noticed was is that people just, like, a little bit wanted to kvetch and find reasons why their unique business can't work for what they envision for themselves. And everyone says, I can't be authentic. I don't want to show my face. I don't want to show this. I don't want to show that. I'm like, being authentic just means not lying. Right. Just that's literally right. it. It doesn't mean a dirty sink. It doesn't mean your children. It doesn't mean your struggles. It doesn't mean your therapy sessions. It doesn't mean... Right. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't need to mean an open wound. Exactly. And it could for some people. Because that could be therapeutic and that could be what connects them, their their followers to them. That could be their sto- their brand story. I'm like, if it doesn't have to do with your brand story, what are you right. doing? And I kept telling people, I'm like, Pe- I would consider myself very authentic. My followers trust me. And that's really the trust. You want when it's authenticity, it's because you're trying to gain trust. Right. That's what it, the bottom line is. They need to trust you. They don't need to see certain elements of your life that other people are showing to trust you. Right. You just have to not lie to them. Right. That's, that's how true. I view it. And so it's like I barely show my kids. I don't talk about my life. I, you don't know what vacations I go on. I don't think anyone knows what my husband looks like. I'm, I'm a very private person. You don't know about my life, but I don't lie. So. Right. I just, you know. You're just not so, volunteering the information. Exactly. So, right. but the other week, I, we're, all right, we're talking about hate. Right. Um, so, I was getting a lot of pressure that I wasn't saying anything about the Black Lives Movement and right. what was going on. And normally, when anything happens um, against Jews, if there are shootings or there's any anti-Semitic attacks, I always post something small, something on brand, like, you know, it's never, like, a bunch of articles. It'll be a picture. It'll be a quote. It'll be some stories. I think the one time I spoke out and did a whole post was when um, a, somebody who was talking a lot about anti-Semitism, her stories got removed. Right. And then I posted a whole I posted a whole um, post on it and stories throughout the day. Right. So I'm not an activist. I don't share that part you know, of my life, but, and my thoughts and my opinions, but I don't not. Do you know what I mean? Right. Elias is not a political brand. It's, it's not, not rooted in that kind of work. Exactly. But you, so you are still a human who has your opinions. Right. And my, my feelings, right. more my feelings. Okay. It's like, it's, it's more, it's not my opinions. It's if I'm hurting for someone 
and something's going on in the world, I do, I just post it just to show that right. I am thinking of it, I'm feeling it, like, don't think that I'm, right. you know. So when, you know, a couple of weeks ago, when there were the protests and all the horrible, like, the police brutality, I was getting a lot of messages about it. And, you know, how can you not say anything? Like, you know, really critical, tough you messages. should be speaking out about this Like, more. do you agree? Do you not care? More not like you should be... Like, do you not care? And if people say you should be, be speaking out, I'm like, don't tell me what to do, honey. Right. I'll do the opposite. Don't, like... Right. You clearly don't know me. <laughs> right. But also, it's not your job to tell me what I get to talk about. Right. My, my page and my space and my website is my... It's my page, my space, and my website. Exactly. You don't get to come and tell me how to decorate my house. Exactly. But what struck a chord in me, what I was getting multiple times was, you don't care... Like, how could you not care? And that hurt me so much because I didn't put on the news at all during COVID, during quarantine. It was so unhealthy. But I couldn't rip myself away from what was happening with all that. And I decided, like, if people think I don't care, that's a problem. Let me just, you know, but within what my my followers are used to seeing, because I always still stand brand because I really respect my followers' time. Right. Like, this is, you're on, I feel lucky that you follow me, and I'm not going to take advantage of that for my own agenda, and this isn't something you expect of me. Right. It could be my, it, the whole page is my own agenda, but you came on with a certain, you followed me for a certain reason. Right. So. You came on, you ordered pizza, I'm not giving you soup. Exactly. Exactly. So, so I posted a quote that even was referencing, honestly, the Holocaust, um, that if you stand with the oppressor or whatever. And then I posted three video clips that you could, you know, click on. You want to see right. it? Inspirational. Right. It was about, you know, the police protesting with people, you know, with the protesters. I remember one with. of the clips that you posted was the, the this was going around this, um, everyone, yeah. the race. Take a, um, we're going to race for a hundred bucks. Take yes. a step forward if you've never yes. had to and worry this about was paying years rent. ago. This didn't even have to do with yeah. what was going on. Right. right. Just, just some things that struck a chord in me. Three. The hate. I got was so intense. I I've never wavered in my confidence on Instagram. I when I was transitioning LES, it wasn't it wasn't that I was like insecure. It was more just like what do I do right now? Right. This I was like, "Oh my god. Like I need a break. I never felt like I need a break. Instagram's my happy place. My Instagram page is my happy place. The people I follow, I love. I don't hate follow anyone." That's a it's skill. A, yeah. On the uh, the mute button is a beautiful thing. I mute. Yeah. I don't unfollow because I have business right. relationships with people. And like, right. I need to be I mean, I wasn't going to say that, but if we're <laughs> saying that. I, yeah. I, I have so many people muted um, and I unfollow all yeah. the time. And I, my Instagram's my happy place. And good I don't post you. things that don't feel good for me. I'm, you know, I have my boundaries. So it was the first time ever in the nine years I've been there, the eight years I've been there, that I just didn't want to be there. And that was, like, rough. Right. But you you took a step back for, like, a I day did. Or two. Good for you. Yeah. So what I'm curious is that... What did you ask me? But, well, we were talking about hate. And this oh, is, yeah. And this so. is where this falls into that. Because it's one of those things where you're, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Because you yeah. said, how many... If you had to guess, like, how many people do you think reached out to you before you said anything and said, how could you not say anything? Like, what was that compared with the... Hindsight, it was much less. It, I'm Like, those people were probably much less than the people who, after you spoke out... Who said yeah. like that? Because also, I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of baggage around the whole Black Lives Matter movement. Yes, I was also stuck in a very strange 
position that week. I don't talk politics at all. Yeah. Um, I don't think that this is necessarily a political matter, but I also don't... Yeah. Like, the same thing you said, like, this is a fun, happy fashion space, and, like, and, and I had already transitioned my page and my brand so much during quarantine because I sell an event-based product, let's get real, right. nobody's going to events, right. so, like, if my page does not exist to sell you dresses, because it doesn't exist to do that right now, right. what does it exist to do? Yeah. And for I, me, yeah, yeah like, because it's, I like... I had that, too. That's where my, my Curio Closets came up and my such YouTube... Such a great series. Thank you. Such a great series. Yeah. And that was the thing. I was like, so what does this space, what does this company exist to do for the next couple months if it doesn't exist yeah. to sell dresses? Because it's not going to do that for yeah. the next little bit. So if it's not going to do that, then what's it going to do? And I was like, well, it's going to make your quarantine better. So I started doing series on like different, just like different types of quarantine. I put out activities for kids. I put out um, yeah. things to, to keep yourself occupied. I did like a whole self-care series. All that. of those yeah. things because that's what the space existed to do. Mm-hmm. And then the whole world explodes again. Yeah. I don't. I didn't feel qualified to talk on the subject. Yeah. I didn't. Right. Re- same. I also didn't really feel like it was the appropriate space to talk on the subject. I also didn't yeah. feel like the world needed my opinion on this. Right. There were so many opinions flying around that I really need to throw another thing in. Right. Um, and then the black square showed up, and then I'm like, that Tuesday, it's like, what am I? If I post I'm- anything, I look ridiculously insensitive. If I post a black square, there's a lot of anti-Semitism associated with the Black with Lives the, Matter with the organization. Movement. Exactly. Right. With their yeah. With the actual political organization, organization. That, that coined that phrase, right? Um, most of my um, client, most of my clientele is Jewish right. and has a very strong visceral reaction to that phrase, whether or not they agree with the, like, if you take it at face value, yeah, black lives do matter, right. matter, right? Done. End of story. Right. Nobody's saying matter the more. Pro- nobody... the, the problematic part is the organization and right. the heads of it and what they stand for. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that, and you can. You and I, it takes and a certain level disagree. of emotional maturity to separate the organization from the actual yeah. simple statement. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know what to do. I did nothing yeah. for like that. That I think that it's weekend, I like yeah. I just put out regular stuff because I I pre I pre plan my Saturday night content. Mm-hmm. I pre plan almost nothing else, but I pre plan my Saturday night content mm-hmm. so that I can get it out really quickly after Shabbos. And I got that out, and then the world exploded. Yeah. So I I just left it. I didn't really do anything. And then that Tuesday, I said nothing, but I quickly did a podcast episode with someone. Because mm. I felt like this was my format, this was my space, where was I it could on, get... Was it on this topic, or was yeah. it... Yeah, oh. so I spoke with Yaf Newman. I love... Um, okay, I'm gonna, I love her. She's so sweet. I, I spoke with her, and I had, with her I, had been meaning, yeah, I had been meaning to reach out to her for a while, because yeah. I was kind of curious. I was like, yeah. listen, you're black in the Orthodox community, there's probably like three people who are like you, which yes. I've since learned is not true. Yeah. Uh, there are plenty of people yeah. who are like her. And what is that like? And I've been meaning to reach out to her for a really long time, and I honestly just felt so strange about it. I was like, I don't want to be like, hi, can I talk to you because you're black? Please, thank you. Yeah. Like, that just to me felt so awkward. Yeah. So I just kept pushing it off, yeah. and then I felt even worse that I had kept pushing it off. You know what the problem is, which I think people are trying to speak out about, which, I mean, I'm just too traumatized too, but, and I don't think it's my place, but I think what the problem right now is cancel culture. Yeah, it's a Where it's basically saying to all, to everyone, you're not able to make mistakes along the way. And it's like telling a baby, when you start walking, you better not drop. Right. And then it's like, how do we learn? How do we grow? Right. How do we understand? And there are black people in the front community, and we have to care about them. I mean, like, it's... if And if they are feeling something, whether I whether you agree with the Black Lives Movement or not, and because the organization is problematic, there are still colored women in our community, and we have to care about them. And we right. have to understand what they're going through, and we have to better ourselves. 
Right. And so, so that, that was my way of dealing with it. Right. Was, I, so I think all, a lot of us are scared to right. make that first move because you don't want to say anything wrong. Right. But I, but yeah, it's not like that. Yeah. No, she's, oh, she was she's so sweet amazing. about it. Yeah. My she followers was, also. Yeah. Right. So, so sweet about it. Um, so you get this, you, you speak out and then people assume that you're supporting the organization as opposed to the very simple meaning of the statement. Yeah. And then all hell breaks loose. Well, it, it, it was a little bit not, it was a little bit in stages where all hell really broke loose. And my husband's like, I need to take your phone away, Chevy. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I, I was I was not okay because I posted, first, you know, I posted the quote. I posted those three clips. And I was getting, you know, the hate messages were just rolling in. Um, along with the ones where it's like, thank you so much. Thank right. you. How, what percentage and, do you think it was, like, in support of and... I'm just curious to, I want to get an, an idea of the overwhelmingness of it. Okay, so in the beginning, in the very beginning when I just posted that, um, just hate, mainly. Wow. Majority hate. Um, because it wasn't really anything, because if people were happy that I was speaking up, it didn't do much. Right. I just like, was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so it wasn't right. like powerful enough for anyone to be like, wow, thank you. You know, you know that took guts. Right. It didn't. But the hate was there. And when I was getting these messages and that were so threaded with racism and these racist comments were like I share a lot with my friends but I couldn't even share this because it felt like so much Lashon Hara yeah like I could not and I was like is this how people speak like I'm not a very social person I'm not out there I don't so I don't really know how people speak like if that's not within my close circle and then to see people who I know right messaging me such awful offensive things that I'm finding offensive in my little Long Island mom suburban life and I'm offended that's a problem that's where I got a little heated I'm like whoa this is where we're holding guys like that is not okay these are the things that we're arguing about right this is you're saying that sentence like and you think I'll take that like okay I'm doing something wrong that's when I got really heated that's when I started answering people on my stories and that's a rabbit hole yeah. And I've never done it before. So mm-hmm. I didn't know what to expect. I just, and then I was sitting at my table. I mean, this is in the middle of me having tendonitis, carpal tunnel, and a tear in my tendon over here. Right. So, but it's and then my husband sees me like, <laughs> he's like, where are your braces? I'm like, I'm like, you know, like, crazy. you're like angrily typing on your phone and he's yeah, like, put I it said, down yes. and rest your hands. Yes. And I started videoing. And then once I opened up the conversation, that's when I was getting. So when I started talking a lot, then all the messages of thank you so much for speaking about it came mm-hmm. out. Um, and then when I opened up the conversation in a question box, like, do you guys not get what I'm saying? Right. I'm just saying don't hate people. That's right. literally it. Hate doesn't, hate is negative in the world for everyone. So just don't hate. But please and thank you. But th- like, <laughs> I don't know what anyone disagrees with me about. So I right. said, what do you guys disagree with? Like, right. explain it. And then once I did that, I got because I love my followers and they are the best, you know, um, I got a lot of insightful messages and I think it was actually really helpful. But then I was sitting at my table and I'm like, I, I, I was so emotionally depleted and I'm like, this isn't the place for this. This isn't, you know, if I want to do work on my own, I'll do it. I'm getting, right, it's you, you're damned if you do, if you're damned if you don't. And then I went upstairs and I, to my room and I just had this just like very emotional feeling to do this video where I just expressed how I felt because also I, was, I lost like over 100 followers like within a few hours. Really? Yeah. And I was like... See, here's... That's the thing that doesn't make any sense to me. Because yeah. 
people they come to see pretty things the pretty things are still there right and this was like a one-time thing yeah like i'd be surprised if those people didn't come back because like yeah do they feel so strongly that like i could never even follow her it's free to follow right like that's yeah that i think people were so saying strange. things that i found i couldn't really relate to when they were saying you know i can't believe like you know my parents went my grandparents went through the holocaust like how could you do this and i'm like so did mine i don't know what you think i'm saying if you listen i just say don't hate right so you realize that the the hate that you're getting is coming from like this very visceral place people are evoking the holocaust which we can all agree was bad um yeah and should just not happen again right so what happens after that you, you put out this video yeah which by the way freaking genius i'm linking it Thank in the show you. notes um i loved it loved it so much Thank and i you. think the key phrase that stood out in that video was not like that so, yeah and that and just like that there's this very specific way that you need to be but not like that exactly. but but not like that and that makes things really really it was rough for me because I always felt like Instagram, like I said so many times, is such a happy place for me. It's an authentic place. It comes naturally to me. But And then people love that. But then I'm like, I am human. I am human. And you have to give people a little bit of more, like a grace period. Like, I, it was it was very shocking to me that, that, you know, that people don't... I mean, listen, it's a hundred out of thousands, tens of thousands, so... It's, it's still a small percentage, but it was just hit me like, whoa, like I'm not, like one of my followers said it so well. She's like, it's like having best friends who you're like not able to talk to if you have like a hard time. Like, yeah, like, yeah, being with friends is fun and whatever, but like what am I to say something that's uncomfortable? Right. You know? So it was, it was shocking. I never had that before. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a totally new experience also yeah. to figure it out. And before that even, before that happened, I was struggling a lot with, you know, basically, I watch a lot of other companies, brands, influencers in the not Jewish sphere, and I watch, you know, I'm trying to figure out wh- where my place is, because I do want to be more authentic. I want to let loose a little more. I want to be a little more myself. There's so much of me that people don't realize. Like, I almost laugh. I'm like, people think, like, I'm normal. Like, <laughs> people think I'm, like, put together, and I'm chill, and, like, and I don't know how to do it so much, where it's not like, what are you doing? Um, and I've been thinking about that a lot and watching how other brands do it or other influencers, other podcasters, you know, where they can be light and airy and talk about themselves and it doesn't become heavy all of a sudden. That you're still able to talk about yourself in an easy, fun way. But then I was watching how nobody was speaking out about it and I was getting a little annoyed. Right. And I'm like, you can't do like anything meaningful. Like, you know, I, and, I, and I used to love them for it. So I was kind of mirror, mirroring myself and I'm like, I do kind of have, like, do I have a responsibility? Do I not? But that's not what you come here for. It's a big struggle that I have constantly, and I still don't know the answer. I mean, I'm a little traumatized (laughs) now to revisit the question, but, you know, there is just that battle of we have a responsibility, we have a platform, might be listening to us, but that's not the place for it. That's not who they come to for. So it's, where's that that balance of, of creating something meaningful to give to your followers um, without changing what they come there for right. i think that um annette from estes online actually said it best um because she's she had said that she felt a lot of pressure like you said to to say something to speak out um and she didn't feel like it was her space she didn't mm-hmm. feel like it was her place she didn't feel like she had something to contribute but she did something um she posted like a black square 
muted listening, something like that. You know, today we condemn all forms of hate, something. And then the, the very next day, she put up a different post. She had taken down that, that square and she said, I, she said that I shouldn't have done that. She said, because this is my space and this is my voice and I get to choose how I use it. And that's not something that I would have done had nobody else called me out on it. Had nobody said, you know, I don't even want to use the word called me out because it's not pressure. Right. Like, pressure. Yeah. Had nobody pressured me to do it. I wouldn't have done it because it's, that's not something that I want to speak about right now. And I get to choose what I get, what I want to speak about. Right. So, but I, I feel a drop different where I'm like, but I care so much. Like there's things that right. I really care about and it does hurt me. And I, and I'm almost opposite where I want to, Right. but you're all going to kill me for it. Like you're right. going to come for me and I don't want to fight with you. At a certain point you need to prioritize your business over like your personal but feelings. But do I? <laughs> yeah. It's a lot to think about. See, I, I go immediately it's, towards, because to, for me, I immediately go to prioritize the business. Not only from a yeah. dollars and cents perspective, yeah. but from a protecting my emotional energy perspective. Interesting. I don't think that I could have recovered quite as well as you seem to have from from what happened there. Like to me, yeah. if something, like if there would have been like, like tons and tons of visceral hate I probably would have taken it down and then just kind of moved on and pretended it never happened and I would have been okay with that um but also it never would have happened because I wouldn't I just I didn't say anything and that like I went about it in the way that made the most sense yeah for me so right so what you said about business I'd say like protecting the business what holds me back is protecting my followers where it's like you did come for something right and I don't want and because I actually respect you and your viewership I don't want to lose that trust. I don't want to lose that relationship with you. But but then again, my sense of like obligation where I don't want to just like pass through life and be like, I didn't do anything meaningful. Right. Yeah, it's, it's a tough thing. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting way that you view your following. It's like you came here and therefore I have an obligation to provide you with pretty things, to provide you with the things that you came with, that you came for. Not an obligation so much, but like a mutual respect, I'd say. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a selfish place. It's not an ego place for me. Right. You're not here to watch me. I'm yeah. here to provide stuff for you. Right. I'm not here for, like, compliments. Like, that's not... Right. It's This isn't to feed an ego. Right. That's and how it feels. That distinction is what I find separates, cu- like, amazing customer service from awful customer service. Like, I find that the companies that I speak to that view their customers as adversaries... Mm-hmm. have awful customer service so it's like whenever someone wants to return something that maybe is like oh two God, days returns, past i cry oh, it's the yeah. biggest drama my it's, ass. It's it's always drama. for me when i don't accept when i when i stick to the rules right they, i get like an applause right but i th- and i think yeah. that also it's funny because i mean my product is a little bit different it has a much higher margin so i can allow for a super generous return mm-hmm. policy i mean not yeah. corona notwithstanding but either yeah. way um so and in in my mind it was always like i can't expect someone to be paying $300 for a dress and not have the option to return it like risk free that's just well what do you consider risk free what do you consider like, a generous return policy versus I do not? 30 days free shipping free return wow. shipping and I do free wow. US shipping like shipping I'll, I'll ship it wow. to you both, both ways okay. but also keep in mind the dress is $300 right. yeah the shipping is $7 right yeah. I can make that work. Right, right. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it's a different my, my product is completely different the margins are yeah. there and with a um, with a different company, like with someone who's selling $100 dresses, yeah. the margins aren't there. Yeah. You know, if you ship that same dress back and forth for, you know, for yeah. $7 yeah. each time, yeah. then you're eating away, you're eating away, you're eating away. Exactly. And I find that, like, if companies view their customers as, like, if not everyone is always trying to screw you over. 
what I mean? Sometimes right. people just make an honest mistake. Yeah. And so and and even when they do make that honest mistake, yeah. sometimes there are policies and you need to stick to them. Exactly. But if they're, it's not like every time someone's trying to make a return, it's it's because it, it's because they wore it to an event and they want to get their money back. Like oh yeah, I never. But I have had that. that a few times. Yeah. Well, yeah, because yours is more event based. Mine's like yeah. more casual, where it's like. Right. Like well, you like, I don't even think of it like that. It's more. I have such a hard time sticking to the policies because of like my imposter syndrome where it's like who who am I to say when they curse <laughs> I'm working on it but what I, somebody gave great advice and I can't remember who it is to give them the credit and they didn't even say it specifically to me maybe it was second hand or in a spe- somewhere I don't even know but they said you make a policy that you believe in that you honestly think is fair and then you give yourself a more lenient policy you give yourself a window of what will the exception time be and then after that it's a no that's so, so that's more concrete for me where I'm like, okay, I mean, I changed my policy so many times over the course of like the business because I'm figuring out, I'm trying to do what's fair, reasonable, but makes sense for my brand, how long the things can actually be out of my hands for. So now it's like, you have five days to request the return, like from when you get it, you have five days to decide if you want to return it. Um, and then you get a, an approval and then you have five more days to send it back to us. That's what I found to be the biggest problem. Cause I have that yeah. 30 day window to request. But right. then I found that... 29. No, request on 29, and then right. doesn't go to the post office until day 57. Exactly. And that, exactly. so I added that five days. Right, five so I days realized that post office. Se- right, that's why I made the separation. Right. Because that's what was happening. I had a two-week, like, or a 10-day or something, 10-day, but then I was getting the nine-day request, and I'm like, that's, that's a two-week or a three-week return policy, because right. it's, man- it's not about them, it's about I just need it back so I can sell it. Right, it's the inventory management yeah, side Yeah, exactly. Of it. So... So I have like my five day, five day, and then I have my two day leeway on each. Okay. So really it is a 14 day. Right. So because, you know, and, and I especially say if there's holidays or Shabbos or Yantif, we right. give you it to them. Those. We don't count those. Right. You know, if somebody makes them, if it comes right before. So, but once you have it concrete in your mind, it's much easier to stick to, I think, right. for me. It has, is having concrete policies the way that you fight your imposter syndrome? Yeah. Because it's not me. It's the rules. <laughs> it says it right there. I can, I don't make the rules. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, just the, the big bad words said yeah. so. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I hear that. Yeah. What do you have imposter syndrome about? Everything. <laughs> like, when people ask me solid advice, I'm like, I don't think I can help you. Really? Yeah. Crazy. Like, like debilitating. Like, I took on two big things at the same time overlapping. Um, and I told my husband, he's like, what? Why would you do that? I was like to write write an article for for um, a magazine, like a Jewish magazine, and take on a bigger picture role for something else. And he's like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "I need it for my resume." He's like, "What do you do this stuff for?" It's not even like paid. I'm like, "For my resume." He's like, "What resume?" I'm like, "The one in my head, <laughs> the one I submit. I don't know, like to yeah. myself." And that's like imposter syndrome. I don't right. know. I think because it's the, that I never went to school for it. I kind of made things up as I went along I feel like I'm still learning and trying to grow so it's like yeah the biggest um I had a lot of imposter syndrome around the technicalities of the business like Mm -hmm. I built my website myself because I couldn't Mm -hmm. afford to hire anyone um and like and doing all of those things and the biggest thing that someone said to me that really like that like let it set it free um I was working with an um uh like a I forgot what her official title was oh she was a lead generation expert it's this fascinating specialty where she knows how to get people to come to your site 
Like, cool. she, she says all the time, she's like, I can drive tons of traffic to your site, and then I can, like, once once I get them in the store, you need to sell to them. So yeah. she's like, so she would tell me things that, like, needed to be for the updated on the yeah. site or whatever for the conversions. But she was just really good about, like, how to market people to actually just, like, to get their butts in the door. Okay. Um, and it was this really fascinating yeah. specialty. Um, and I worked with her for um, for a couple of months, and it was probably among the best money that I ever spent to, okay, to like get that going. After. Yeah, I'll give you her, her information. You. Her name is Tammy Frank. She's awesome. Okay. Um, you can find her on LinkedIn. So she is, um, she said to me, she's like, the one thing that I just need you to know is that your website is never finished. Like, I'm finding that. It could be finished for now. Yeah. It could be finished. She's like, but you need to be updating your photos every three, four months. You yeah. need to be doing, she's like, just as long as you think of it as never finished, then you're good. So I have built into my yeah. schedule, like every two weeks, I do like a website audit. And yeah. I just look through and I see like, okay, does this blog article need a new photo? Does this, is this blog article no longer relevant and needs to be unpublished? Like, yeah. or just, is this product still looking good? Should these products be ordered this way? That product's actually sold out. Let's put it at the bottom of the list. Things like right. that to just constantly keep them, keep things yeah. moving. And that to me helped a lot. Right. I hear that. Because you can always fix it. Yeah. I mean, I think mine goes a lot deeper, but that is a nice Deeper in what way? I, like I was just thinking before that I, a lot of times, like if I'm, this is like the first podcast I've ever done. Like I never do this stuff. I never do collaborations. I never do like the free stuff being sent to me, the joy, like, and I turn it down all the time because of my boundaries where I struggle. Like I know I have this imposter syndrome where I'm like, no, people need to see that I'm like legit and I know what I'm doing and be associated with all X, Y, Z. But also for my boundaries, it's like, no, I really need to put my time and energy into my business. I can't do the other stuff. Right. But I find that it's with everything. It's because, I, I don't know, I feel it with everything. When customers ask me about how to style something, um, how to wash something, even if I test washed it 20 times, I'm like, I don't know, maybe the 30th time it doesn't wash anymore like that. Like, I, I don't know where it is, but it's, I mean, I, I try to think positively, Positively, like, it helps me grow. Like, I it keep does. wanting to be better, but I, I, I find that mo- a lot of women deal with that. 100%. I find that a lot of entrepreneurs deal with that. Yes, that's what I mean. Right. Women entrepreneurs who have not gone to proper training school even and graduated. Even those who have. Really? 100%. Because <sighs> I think okay. that there's always someone who's better than you. You, okay. there's always someone who's in a better spot than you are. There's always someone who's in a worse spot than you are. And yeah. it's just who you decide to focus on. Right. And most of us just focus on the people who are doing better than us. And they yeah. assume that the reason why they're doing better must be because they're doing something right and I'm doing something mm-hmm. wrong. So, and I don't know anything. So, yeah. You like, know what's so interesting that you're saying that? Because I really like to think that I don't look at what other people do and I don't compare. And I think I have a good handle on that. When it comes to this, I'm noticing I do because as you're saying it, I'm like, wait, I don't do that. I'm like, oh, wait, I do. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. But I do because I'm like, how do they have the guts to do that? How do they take that leap? How did they? I'm like, I, I don't, I, you know. Right. So that is interesting. I guess we do that. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, I think, I don't, I think that it's human too. I don't think there's anything that we could, like, it's just. We work it's just, on it. Work I guess on so. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Oh, so much work <laughs> so much so much i was told to my therapist about something and like i, I threw a total wrench into what i wanted I, she's like well how do you feel what do you want to do and i said something like so ridiculous she's like 
well, we were didn't really start working on that yet. <laughs> let's focus on what we have been doing. I'm like, yeah, like there's let's, just let's close so that book first. Yeah, <laughs> close that chapter and then we'll, yeah, and then we'll move on. So I wanna I wanna pick up the Elias story. Where yes, we were at. yes. So I'm you sorry. so you're you're in the middle of this transition. You have these pieces that yeah. are that are great. They're great pieces, beautiful pieces, by the way. That um yeah. I think it was the Esther dress that had the yes. the V neck. Yeah, really great piece. Thank you. Um, and, and I could also totally see how that was designed to be worn above a vintage blouse. Like, yeah. that makes perfect sense to me on every level. So you get through that first season. Mm-hmm. Do you think that you'll restock those pieces? Yeah. The Esther, but I'm, I changed a little bit to give it a little more edge. Like, the design that's coming out for this fall, a little more edge where it's... Because what the branding really is for Elias, ugh, I should have read my notes before this... <laughs> It's basically, it's pieces, I mean, I think about myself, my girl, the, the MMA girl, the Elias girl, is always, like, somebody who's kind of me a little mm-hmm. bit, where it's, like, we're busy, we want to, we're busy with our day, a lot of us are sensory, a lot of us don't have time in the morning, we just, like, are kind of lazy, drinking our coffee a little too long, on Pinterest a little too long, you know, and we have to just, like, grab and go, even if we have all these outfit ideas in our heads, so we want to have pieces in our closet that have that design element, that cool factor in it. Not that you have to layer and think about all the elements coming together to be a cool right. outfit, but each piece on its own could be interesting. Like, let's say this simple vintage dress, the color is right. the interest for me. So that's easy to get dressed. So the Esther dress with the V, we're doing something with it where it's a little more wearable and has a little more edge to it. Like, I'm just well, changing it a drop. I'm excited to see what that looks like. Yeah. It'll, it'll be a cool thing. So what? So you get through that first collection, mm-hmm. and then you come out with the second line. That I mm-hmm. think it's pretty obvious from the second line that they were not designed to be complementary pieces. No. Um, they each yeah. had, like you said, right, that it's edge. opposite. It's, right. it's so easy. You put it on, and all of a sudden, there you go. There's your outfit. It doesn't matter if you're putting on your Converse or your ballet flats if you want or your sneak. Like, I mean, your flip-flops. doesn't matter what you're wearing. You're cool. Right. It's, it's, it's a cool vibe. What was the transition like for you design-wise? moving into oh, that. Oh, so exciting. <laughs> it was, it felt so freeing. Right. Um, yeah, because I felt like I had to stick to kind of something a little stricter and more, what's the word, like in school. I had to be more disciplined with what I designed. It wasn't so much about like my, my vision, my passion, because it was a bigger picture. It was more about what you're putting with it. Um, so when I got to design this, I'm like, well, what do I see for my summer wardrobe? Right. Like, create the wardrobe you wish to see in the world it's a cool thing right yeah to be able to just to just make something yeah nothing and I also really wanted something that I didn't feel like my customers were getting yet I'm not here like I said to really for my own ego purposes like I don't even have some of the dresses in my wardrobe because they sold out I'm hoping by the second run I'll get one but it's one of my customers make the samples fit you then you always have the samples pro tip yeah so I have so right so for whatever I have is a sample, whatever you, right, whatever I do have make, is the sample. Make the samples your size. Yeah, of course I do. Well, I do. I try to. I, I push for as many sizes as possible because I want it to fit so many people. I always make it that there has to be like a large, mm-hmm. so that I can know because I need the extra large to be bigger than what I am. Right. Like, um, I mean the size charts are obscene, size and when hard. people give me a hard time, I'm like, people, I'm I'm doing it's sizing that is people hard. give me a hard part a hard time about because technically the weight sizing was created is that there's there's petites there's standard sizing and then there's plus size right. and usually they don't go in one collection so when you try to make a size guide you need to add more sizes 
when like do you know what I'm saying? Right. So it's it's different because it's it's or, different. Or else you have huge gaps within each size. It gets tricky because yeah. women's sizing is not standardized on any level. No. So because um like we've all agreed how much an inch is. An inch is this amount. Yes. We've not agreed how much a size eight is. Exactly. We've never like and because it's not standardized, it means that it varies really widely from company to company. And it what yeah. it usually means is that when you're talking about the segregation between sizes it usually means that like plus size women can get relegated to like oversized tent dresses that are which like I hate. which yeah. is just like shapeless and awful. Yeah. Um it's like and rude. petite women yeah. right and petite women are wearing like teenagers clothes. Yeah. And and that gets really and if you don't fit into that middle section then That's, it gets very Exactly. Strange. That's what I'm saying where if we're trying to now guide into a more positive place where we can include everyone in one brand the sizing needs needs to change it's not like it's been there and we're ignoring it right we have you to, have to rewrite the rules a little we have bit. to write rewrite the rules we have to decide if we are adding just more sizes right which as a designer and on the technical part is harder is more, it expensive. Is more expensive but we're doing it and we're trying and we're trying to figure it out right and but there's a learning curve it's not so that's when, when people say you have no inclusivity well first of all a lot of my stuff do fit up to size 20 um, I beg my followers to come model for me. Right. Um, I do work on trying to find models in all sizes, but it's also a learning curve because most, first of all, there's no correct size guy to follow. Right. When I do research for sizing, every single person has a different one. And then somebody right. once recommended, they go, we'll see what the Jewish branch is doing. I'm like, it's all over the place. There right. is no, you know. Right, no, it's, it's, it's really tough. difficult. What I ended up doing was going the create a lot of sizes route. So my collection mm-hmm. is in 2 through 24, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which is a dozen sizes, and it is more I, expensive okay. in production. Yeah. It just is. It means that I'm yeah. cutting 12 times as opposed to cutting three times. Exactly. Um, and it's But again, I have the margin for it. Right. So it's different. It's, yeah. very, it's very different. My collection is also made in New York, so I can make mm-hmm. in very awkward quantities. So I always make more of like the size 16 plus because those are the sizes that sell the, the quickest. Um, okay. And, but it means that I can cut unevenly because I make in New York. So I can okay. cut like three times as many of the 16 plus as I do of the two four six. Interesting. Okay. Um, and that's, and that's just is a technical yeah. thing that most people don't get. Right. And then when you, it also, it just, it honestly is a lot of trial and error. It's, it's a, a, yeah. it's a lot of trial. It's something yeah. that I'm, that I'm really, it took me probably about a year to get really perfect. And then what you'll see, once you find your perfect size yeah. chart, it'll be, It'll be the best thing that I've ever I know. Had. So I do, but then I'm still working with different fabrics. So it's still a learning right. curve. Yeah, there's there's always going to be, like, if a fabric has stretch or something like yeah. this. Um, yeah, it's always going to be. It's always, And then there's also the difference between size and shape. Some people don't realize that if you are not dressing for your shape properly, you're never going to have the right size because a circle is not a square. It's exactly. just not going to work. Exactly. And it's, it's a really tricky, it's a really tricky thing to, yeah. to hit. Yeah. It just is. And from a technical perspective, it's really just trial and error. Yeah. But make your samples fit you, and then you always I, have yeah. pieces from your collection. Thank you. Yes. That's your, that's yeah. your baseline. Well, all my stuff are the samples. That's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. that's what it has to be. Yeah. That's what the samples are for. They live in your closet. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's why they're there. Yeah. Now that Elias is, I think, more established, it's mm-hmm. been a little bit over a year, right? Um, no. Last summer, no? Well, last summer, August. Okay. And, no, 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 but that was just the skirt, and it was still under MNA. So if we're getting super technical, Elias, the website, the brand... October. Okay. Yeah. So a couple months. Yeah. Did what you want happen? Like, does this fit more in line with your life? Are you able to spend more time with your girls? Did it work out in that quarantine? Being fifty percent of my transfer. <laughs> um, oh yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I mean, I was I was really looking forward to this spring 
collection, I mean, because I put so much energy and work into it and I was really proud of it, um, I was really looking for, because I started in October of my winter line, I really never got a full season. It was end of October. Right. I have even been early November where I didn't have a full season. So I was excited to see this, to see how everything played out. But yeah, I mean, my, my husband tries to remind me, like when I'm going through like tough parts of like work and I'm stressed, he goes, Chevy, just remember what you were like one year ago. You were, there was so not true. one day where you felt good about what you were doing. So there you go. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. your answer. So no matter what happens, if I feel like I'm failing at something or I'm missing marks or deadlines or dates or things aren't panning out the way I want them to, I'm just like, this is just so much better. Right. This was, this was the kind of conversation that I think most people might be, I, people don't get to hear you talk. Cause like I you know. said, like you said, you don't really bring that, you don't really bring that into your page. So I'm really excited for people to get to know this level of, of Chevy. Yeah. And I'm glad that now I have a new friend also. I know. I could sit here for hours. <laughs> this is really fun. Yeah. Um, if somebody wants to learn more about you or about Elias, where can they go? Instagram. So what's the for page? Sure. Elias the brand. Uh, and the website is? And the website is ElliasLabel.com and YouTube, which this will be on. Right. Yeah. Which this is, is right now it's Chevy Goldman, but you can still find it under Elias the Label. We spoke about this actually right. on the phone. Why is my YouTube Chevy Goldman, not Elias because, and I remembered, because to be on my team, you have to, the main core part of a job is to remember my thought process. Because <laughs> I will say, I will say things and then nix it. And then a week later, be like, wait, why are we not doing that? And then right. I need someone to be like, Chevy. So, when, is, I, yeah, so when I was saying about YouTube, and I was like, we have to switch YouTube to Elias. Like after my phone call, I said, it's Elias. She's like, no, we said we're not because there's like this famous guy whose name is Elias who has all these YouTube videos and you keep going to the bottom of the page so until we figure out how you can be more fine spells it the same way yeah something like yeah it comes up wow. Elias yeah oh that's a that's a nightmare yeah like a singer from the Middle East or something cool but not <laughs> right right cool for him right it's like okay not, yeah you learn new things every day oh so yeah. you so you get bumped down by him so it's got to be Chevy yeah can it be can you put both in the title? Chevy so from it's connect, So it's connected to, it's connected, like my 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 website's connected to, everything is connected, like it's under my my Elias email, my Elias, all that. Right. Um, but I have to do a little more research. Figure that out. Okay, yeah. so you'll let me know when you figure that out. Yeah. In the meantime, I'm going to yes. link the YouTube Chevy channel Goldman. in the show yeah. notes. And this is the first visual podcast. I know. So yeah, um, if you are, I mean, obviously you've listened to this whole thing on podcast. So if you want to listen to it again and see how cute we look. That you can go to, <laughs> that you can uh, go to Chevy's YouTube yeah. page. And the last thing I want to ask you is what I ask everyone who comes on the show, oh. and that is to you, Chevy Goldman. What does it mean to make an impact? Wow. Oh my goodness, it's a big question. Yeah, especially me just saying that I have no clue <laughs> <laughs> throughout the whole podcast. Um, I guess making an impact means. Well, I think what for me is just first being very intentional about what you do in life. That you don't just ride the waves and you don't go with the flow and just not think about what you're bringing to the table, I think, in any part of your life. And making sure that you, everything you do, you stand by and you're proud of. And I think that ends up coming through, even if you're not verbally you know, expressing all of it. Does that make sense at that makes, all? That makes perfect sense. Okay. Thank you so I'm much not, for coming. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Chevy and Elias, all of her links are in the show notes. 
There you'll also find links to the most comfortable masks and at-home activities perfect for quarantine, some of which are free, all of which are high fashion. I also included links to some of the videos that we mentioned in the interview and my conversation with Yaf Newman, which we also mentioned in this conversation. Access all of that by swiping up on the cover art or going to impactfashionnyc.com. To hear more episodes, be sure to subscribe. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help more people hear it, leave a review or a quick rating. They make my day. The episode art was designed by Michelle Moses. Original music composed by Nissan Fetman. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Riff Yitzkowitz. Catch me on Instagram and Facebook at impact.fashion.nyc. As always, here's to making an impact together.